The Tapper Teacher Training is an annual retreat for homeschooling parents, a live in-person gathering that brings together heart-centered homeschoolers from all over the world for hands-on learning, community, connection, and fun. And I'd love to see you at Taproot 2024. We'll gather August 1st through 4th at a camp in Northeastern Ohio for a long weekend of engaging workshops, hiking and yoga, and personal reflection. Taproot gives everyone a chance to experience and practice singing, painting, and building main lessons in order to foster a deeper understanding of the hands-on, Waldorf-inspired approach. A team of experienced homeschoolers offer guidance rooted in each of their family's life to help bring you more joy to yours. This is our 18th year of offering this amazing experience. You can learn more at artofhomeschooling.com slash taproot2024. You're listening to the Art of Homeschooling podcast, where we help parents cultivate creativity and connection at home. I'm your host, Jean Miller, and here on this podcast, you'll find stories and inspiration to bring you the confidence you need to make homeschooling work for your family. Let's begin. Why do children resist? This sounds like such a simple question, I know, but We often feel stymied by our children's resistance. I know I have. What is a homeschooling parent to do? We've all experienced this resistance, I know, when children push back or just say no to what we have planned. Sometimes kids act out, zone out, or even comply without really being fully engaged. But do you ever wonder why? That's what we're here to talk about today, why children resist and how understanding the four temperaments can help you support your child's development, their motivation based on their temperament. So first, let's start off with considering resistance, and then I'll describe the four temperaments to you. So I just want to invite you to take a moment and think about why you resist doing something. Are you tired, hungry, triggered emotionally, bored? Sometimes we're just bored. Is it too hard? Is it too easy? It doesn't seem to be relevant to you or meaningful to you, or perhaps it's not engaging enough. I asked you to reflect first on this because I want to help us all see that resistance isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's really a good clue into what is going on for our child, just like it is for ourselves. And it's a good clue to the dynamic between us. So let's start off. I want to explore the four temperaments, and then we'll get into how understanding these can help with homeschooling. 
I first heard about the four temperaments when I was learning about the Waldorf approach to education. These four temperaments help to describe different personality types or learning styles. These temperaments actually date back to ancient times, and they're based on the concept of the four humors, which suggested that there were four basic bodily fluids that influenced a person's temperament or personality. So these can apply today, just as they did in ancient times. And the four temperaments are known as sanguine, choleric, melancholic, and phlegmatic. Now, in the Waldorf approach, we, and really all teachers and parents, believe that every child has a unique combination of their, like, they're a unique individual, right? And with the four temperaments, the idea is that there's a unique combination of these four that affect a child's personality and their behavior, and of course, their learning style. So just as a quick example, the sanguine child tends to be outgoing, optimistic, and social. The choleric child is often very confident, goal-oriented, and assertive. The melancholic child is introspective, sensitive, and at times perfectionistic. And the phlegmatic child is calm, easygoing, and reserved. Now, before we get into more detail about each of these temperaments, I want to share a little about how the temperaments in general can help in homeschooling and how they can not help or how they can hinder your your efforts in your homeschool. So first, I want to caution you against typing your child and then seeing it as a label or a fixed thing. The whole idea is that understanding a child's temperament, which usually becomes clear by about the age of six or seven, that understanding their temperament can help us as parents and teachers to support them in to support their interests, motivation, and help us discern how to teach them in the best possible way. These principles, of course, can also be applied to ourselves, as I said, and can be used for the purposes of self-improvement if we want to study the temperaments uh, that we exhibit. So the very best advice I got about working with temperaments in children is that we do not want to try to change a child's or a person's temperament. Instead, we want to work with, to learn to work with a child's temperament, to come alongside and meet them right where they are, and then to mirror or match their energy, their stance, their interaction And then just invite them forward. Sometimes this takes work on acceptance, right? On accepting our child for exactly who they are. Just a few other tips. Most of us have one predominant temperament, but we can also be a mixture of a few of them. I happen to be a sanguine choleric, and I'm guessing that has been the case since I was a little girl. It's also important that we not share our analysis of our child's temperament with them, right? We don't want to give them an excuse for unacceptable behavior, nor do we want to impart any sense of blame for the way they are. 
Now, in a Waldorf classroom, a teacher might choose to seat children of one temperament all together with the idea that they'll see themselves reflected in those around them and see themselves as a result more clearly and perhaps even be motivated to change because some of what they see in the other children can be annoying to them. In a homeschool setting, we have to get a little more creative in working with the temperaments because we have a smaller group generally. And as I've said already, the best way that I've found to do this is to look at the temperaments with both uh, a, a sense of acceptance and curiosity. And I would say that it's our job as parents to recognize the positive, right, in our children whenever possible and to help bring balance to the child's personality. But again, we do not do this by judging, blaming, or forcing any change on our child. So let's dive into the temperaments and how you might work with each of them. So starting off, we have the sanguine temperament. Sanguines are cheerful. This temperament is often associated with enthusiasm, joy, and optimism. People who tend toward the sanguine temperament are described as having a can-do attitude and being energized by collaboration, by team activities. They also enjoy creative outlets and problem solving. Sanguine children are often motivated by social interactions and positive feedback. So that's something for us to to recognize as homeschooling parents, as parents and teachers. uh, We can motivate sanguine children by providing opportunities for them to interact with others and by helping them to recognize their progress and achievements. Next is the choleric temperament. Cholerics are quick-tempered. This temperament is characterized by an assertive nature, a tendency to be goal-oriented. People who tend toward the choleric temperament are often perceived as take-charge types, and they tend to be more efficient in their work. These individuals are ambitious, assertive, and have a strong will. They're often competitive and decisive, but can come across as overbearing or even aggressive. They're basically the ones who are always in charge. They make good leaders. Uh, Choleric children are often motivated by challenges and competition. They thrive on setting goals and achieving them. So parents and teachers can motivate their children, their choleric children by setting challenging tasks and by providing opportunities for them to compete in a healthy way. Next up, the melancholic temperament. Melancholics are analytical. This temperament is best known for its thoughtful, methodical approach to problem solving. People who tend toward the melancholic temperament are often highly analytical and have a deep interest in understanding the underlying structures of the world. These individuals are introspective, they're sensitive, and they have a very deep empathy toward others. They may have a tendency to worry or be anxious and are often perfectionists. They're basically the ones who are always caught up in their feelings. 
Melancholic children are motivated by personal growth and mastery. And because they tend to be perfectionists, they can become discouraged if they feel like they're not making progress. So parents and teachers can motivate them by providing opportunities to learn and grow in a safe and supportive environment where they can see their progress, right? By pointing out the little steps, the little wins, right? And celebrating all the progress that there is. And finally, the phlegmatic temperament. Phlegmatics are peaceful. This temperament is associated with a calm, compassionate demeanor. People who tend toward the phlegmatic temperament are often described as patient, generous, and level-headed. They enjoy building relationships and have an affinity for taking the time to listen and understand others. These individuals are often calm and easygoing and able to maintain peace and harmony in their environment, no matter what is going on around them. They're the ones who are often caught napping. (laughs) Phlegmatic children are motivated by stability and routine. They do not like sudden changes or surprises. So parents and teachers can motivate them by creating a predictable routine and providing them with a sense of security. Now, one thing I want to mention about the four temperaments, there is uh, a flip side to them too, where when uh, different temperaments are upset or angered, they they exhibit certain personality um, types or traits, I would say, as well. And I think one of our goals in working with the temperaments is to recognize that when things are on an even keel, the way that we see our children is reflected in these behaviors that we want to learn to accept. Right. So here's one little bit that I want to close out with. And this is a great anecdote, a, a description of a little scenario about spilt milk. This was passed on to me from my mentor and friend, Barbara Dewey. I do not have the source for this description, unfortunately. I only have a crumpled up piece of paper that I have referred to over and over again throughout the years of my homeschooling. So here it is. This is an illustration of the four temperaments. Four children are sitting around a table serving themselves from a pitcher of milk. The pitcher slips, drops to the floor, and breaks, spreading milk and broken glass all over the floor. The choleric immediately runs for the mop and industriously begins to clean up the mess. The phlegmatic carefully lifts both feet up onto his chair so that they don't get wet and watches the action. The sanguine happily examines the flow of milk, saying, look, the milk is running down through the cracks. It's going to catch up with that line of ants. The melancholic says between sobs, I didn't get any milk, and that was my favorite pitcher, and now it's all broken. Carrying this anecdote further might reveal something more about these children. The phlegmatic sitting there with his feet up observes, you know, when you wring out that mop, you're going to get cut and you are going to leave little pieces of broken glass in the mop for the next person. The sanguine may discover the source of the infestation of ants as he follows their trail. The melancholic may truly recognize the value of an antique pitcher. 
I love that little scenario because it really does illustrate so clearly different, the four different personality types and their reaction to the same scene. Isn't it interesting to see the different reactions of all four temperaments to one event? None of them are wrong. All are equally valid, just different. I think you can see from this scenario why accepting our child's temperament rather than trying to change it is the most helpful approach. Our job as parents and teachers is really observing our children's behavior and discerning what they need. So understanding a child's temperament is yet another tool to help us do that. I hope this episode has inspired you to work with the temperaments in in a supportive way. Circling back to why children resist, I hope you can see that when we think our children are resisting, they may just be responding to a situation in a way that is completely natural for them. We may just be interpreting their behavior as resistance because we're viewing it from our temperament or because the child has a similar temperament to us and we don't like that about ourselves. We see that in our children and we want to change that in them as well. We sometimes even do this without conscious awareness. So more than anything else, I hope this episode helps you to see your children, your child through a more accepting and observational lens. If you want to explore the topic of temperaments further, there are a few great articles over on the free Waldorf Online Library and a few great books on this subject that I recommend. I'll be sure to put the links to a few additional resources over in the show notes if you want to explore the temperaments further. You can find the show notes with all the links over at artofhomeschooling.com slash episode 129. And if you want individual help working with your child or children, please check out my one-to-one mentor sessions. You can find out more about those at artofhomeschooling.com slash mentor with Gene. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I'll see you next time. That's all for today, my friend. But here's what I want you to remember. Rather than perfection, let's focus on connection. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Art of Homeschooling podcast. Mm